Uh, I wonder what it is that gives you life. Uh, if you don't understand what I'm getting at by that question, what it is that fires you up? What brings you joy? What gives you a sense of, of purpose in life, of peace in life? What brings you joy? Um, Christmas maybe feels a long time ago, but hopefully for many of us, that was uh, perhaps a season when some of those things might have been going on in our lives, some of those things that give us life and joy might have been present over the, the holiday time that we've just had. So, for example, maybe it's time with people that you love that brings you joy and life. Maybe it's times of feasting and celebration. Um, the joy of feasting together is a beautiful thing, and maybe for some of you, you even enjoy making the feast and preparing the feast. I'll be honest, I'm not one of those people, but maybe some of you are. I know some, some of my friends love cooking special meals for other people. Maybe that brings you life and joy. Maybe it's a new toy that you've got. Maybe it's a, a toy that you opened on Christmas Day, uh, or an, an actual toy, or it might be like, I like gadgets, uh, so maybe it was a gadget that you got that brings you life and joy, or maybe it was a new tool that you were able to hang up in your pristinely arranged garage, uh, whatever it might be. Um, maybe what gives you life is the process of actually getting past all of that and getting your life back to normal again, getting a bit of order in your home and in your life and getting past the holiday chaos. Or maybe it's just that bit of space to, to binge watch your favorite TV show with your favorite people. Or one of the things that gave me a bit of joy over the holiday season was uh, I had a little bit of space to arrange my playlists on YouTube music. I'm a YouTube music man, not Spotify like some of my family members. And uh, I used to enjoy making a mixed tape. That's, that's aging me a little bit. Uh, I used to make mixed tapes for people. You can't do that anymore, but I do enjoy putting a playlist together. And uh, just to share with you, just to bless you, and if any of you want to come and get this playlist for me, I'll send you a link. Come and grab me at the end. I, I spent... More hours than I'm willing to admit one day that I was off over the holidays. Uh, going through all, do you remember the Now That's What I Call Music series? So this started in 1983. Uh, you Can't Hurry Love by Phil Collins was the very first track on the very first Now That's What I Call Music. And they've gone through two or three a year of these. And they're up to, I think, now 117 or something, I think it is, at the moment. I went through every single track list of every single Now album released and put together the best of Now compilation. It's awesome. It's about 410 songs, and if you want a link, I'll hook you up. Uh, that's the kind of guy I am. You are welcome. Uh, so <laughs> these are all good things to varying degrees, uh, <laughs> things that bring us joy and energy. We all need these things in life, the things that fire us up, keep us going. And, and crucially, we need to remember what those are, not just for ourselves, but for other people. Um, because as excited as I am about this playlist, I'll be honest, my family have not shared in that joy quite to the same extent. So I need to learn what is it that gives them life so that I can try with God's help and, uh, and, and press into some of those things. Um, the question, this question, what is it that brings you life? I want you to know something, that this is a question that God cares deeply about. That's amazing reality. If it's true, we'll, we'll come and see if it's true in just a moment. But if that's true, isn't that an amazing thing? That God cares about your life and what it is that would bring you that sense of fullness of life. The, the God of the universe, the most fundamental reality that there is, 
He cares about you. I don't know if you believe in God or not. I'm sure in this room there's a range of sort of responses to that sort of question. And if you don't believe in God, wow, sorry. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Someone's getting a message. I think it might be Darren's WhatsApp there. Who's WhatsApping Darren? Don't all do it at once or it might pop up. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> if you don't believe in God, as we've said, you're welcome. We're glad that you are here. This is a space. This is a community. As I've said, this is a, a family where we bring all our questions and struggles. We're all, we all have different ones of those this morning, and we, we, we hope to find help and hope in these things together. And, and we are, I have to let you know, a community that has found that the key, the key to finding peace and hope is not in our own wisdom, any one of us here, but is in the truth of this book, which we believe is God's very word to us. And, and this book, these scriptures, they tell the story of this infinitely loving and creative God and sharing God who, from that fullness within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that love and creativity and community burst out in this creation in which we live. All the galaxies, all the stars, all the planets, including this planet Earth, and including every single one of us in it. And the Bible tells the story of how this God cares deeply for every single person. How human beings are not just like all other elements of the creation around about us, as special and as awesome as they are, but, but that human beings are made in the image of God. They are unique among God's creation, and they're made for peace with God and God and for peace, not this, <laughs> not like brothers or often, but peace with one another. And the Bible is very real, friends, that this story is not an easy one, that there is rejection of this God, there is rejection of God's ways of love and kindness. The Bible calls all of this the, the rejection of him, the rejection of his ways. The Bible calls this sin, and it's, it, it tells the story that this sin in every sing, single one of us has thrown this world into turmoil. And the Bible tells this story back to us, this story that if we're honest, we can all see around about us that, 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 that we need help, that we need forgiveness. We, we not only see this story around about us, but we see it inside ourselves. And, and the Bible explains this story to us, that we need peace and order brought back to our lives, which is all to say we need life beyond just gadgets and gift cards or food and fun or wherever else you might be looking for these things. And, and as I'm saying, how we find that, how we find true lasting life is a question that this God really cares about. Now, how do I know this? I know this because Jesus, the very Son of God, God himself says it, as plainly as you could hope for in the passage that we're in just now. So as Scott mentioned, we're back after about seven weeks, I think, away from John. We're back into John, and he's right. We're going to take a brief pause in John just before the Easter time. But apart from uh, four or five weeks, we're going to be straight trucking through John until about the summertime, God willing. Uh, that's the plan. 
Um, so, uh, listen to what Jesus says so plainly in these verses. We're going to read from verse 7 of John 10. This is God's word. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You may not believe in God, but what is beyond dispute in history is that there was a humble leader called Jesus, and this Jesus who claimed to be sent from God, indeed claimed to be himself the revelation of who this God was, he tells us why he came in so many places. It's one of the things I love about Jesus. <laughs> you want to know why Jesus came to this world? He tells us in multiple places. And here he is doing it again so plainly in John 10, 10, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly. Now who's they? I came that they may have life. Who's the they? Well, look at verse 9, and we find out who they is. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. And he goes and say, I came that they may. So that's the, that's the they. Anyone who enters by me, that is, anyone who comes to Jesus. And again, one of the wonderful things about the truth of God's word is it's infinitely profound and deep and rich and mysterious, but it's also sometimes so simple. And the Holy Spirit who is here, who guides us into truth, is able to take these infinitely glorious ideas and he's able to make it so plain for us today. Anyone who would come to Jesus, anyone who through Jesus finds that place of rest and hope in God, that's what's, getting, getting, uh, that's what's going on about there in verse 9 where it says that person will go in and out and find pasture. It's this place of freedom and peace. Jesus is saying in verse 10 that, that this, coming to Jesus, it's not just about some sort of religious equation. It's not some sort of religious problem that needs to be solved. But Jesus is saying this, coming to me, finding that place of pasture, this is about true life. Those people that come to me, I came so that they would know life in all its abundance. The NIV says, life to the full. The New Living Translation, a rich and satisfying life. Anyone want some of these things, right? You know, you think about the invitation to Alpha. Almost any of our friends and neighbors would say, yeah, I want life to the full. I want abundant life. I want a rich and satisfying life. The message puts it like this. I want real and eternal life more and better than they ever dreamed of. These are all ways that various translators are trying to get after what Jesus says in the original language here. This is abundant life beyond stuff, beyond career, beyond hobbies, beyond dreams for the future, beyond even friends and family. True Abundant life, the fullness of life is found in Jesus. It's why he came. 
Now, in this passage, in John 10, 1 to 21, there are a couple of ways that we see this. And we're just going to look at each one of them briefly. We're going to start with what Jesus says straight after this comment that he came so that we would know life in all its fullness. The question is, how does this happen? How is this possible that the God who created the universe wants me to know this abundant life? Well, verse 10 again, uh, the last part of verse 10, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. He goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We see that this abundant life is offered to us because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In this passage, Jesus uses different but related metaphors uh, in, this, in, this, in these verses about sheep, that is us, about shepherds, that's him, and how those sheep find that place of safety around the shepherd. And especially, it's, the metaphor goes, in light of thieves and robbers, that is to say, those who come and stand against God and all that God has to offer. And in light of thieves and robbers, another way to think of it, as we're going to read in verse 12, it's these people that seem to care for us, but they don't really. Look at verse 12, where we see this. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is saying there are people in life or purposes in life or possessions in life that might seem to bring us safety and peace. But when difficult times come, when bad times come, ultimately these things will crumble. They cannot give us what we most fundamentally need. But the point of this passage is that there is one who will not crumble, who will not run away, who will not flee. He is the good shepherd. He will never leave us. In light of the challenges that come in life, not least, dear friends, the, the, the challenge of our distance from God. That all of us have, have walked away from God, have kept Him from the heart of our lives and, and who we are about. And, and we've, we've kept away from, from Him, though He desires for us to know life and peace in Him. In the face of that issue, or any other evil or problem that would come against us, other things cannot solve those problems, but the good shepherd doesn't give up on us. He does not leave us in that place of need. Rather, he gives of himself. He lays down his life, giving and giving of himself for us. And this passage makes clear he's not forced into this he wasn't caught off guard, wasn't struggling with any of this. Listen to the authority and the strength of Jesus as he speaks of why he came in verse 17. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. 
This Jesus is our strong Savior, choosing gladly to give of his very life so that every single person listening to these words might share in that life of his. He laid it down so he could take it up again in victory over sin and death so that we might share in it. We were so encouraged last week, those of us who were able to be at Kintour, because we saw this demonstrated so vibrantly and wonderfully in Kyle Ross's baptism, that identification with Jesus' death and resurrection as Kyle, that image of him rising again to new life in Jesus Christ. Let me just say as an aside, maybe 2023 is the year when you might get baptized here in Hillview to show of the life that you have in Jesus, that dying to your old way and rising to newness of life in Christ. This is how we come to receive this abundant life that Jesus has for us through his laying down and his raising up of his very life. And as I said before, this is not about some sort of transaction, a religious deal that we make so we can not be frightened of eternity or or anything like that. I mean, That comes in the glorious package that God gives us, but that's not the fundamental important thing. This, friends, is about life and intimacy. This abundant life is about knowing and being known in relationship with this one who offers us this life. This is the second way we see in this passage what this abundant life is, Jesus' intimate, loving knowledge of us. Look at, look at verse 1 of our chapter. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So as we've seen, he goes on to try and help them. Jump down to verse 14, would you? I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is Jesus using a picture of beautiful trust and intimacy. He he knows your name Look at verse 3 again. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Jesus is like a shepherd that knows every one of the sheep by name. I I, I don't know much about being a shepherd. Any of you who know me are are well aware of that. One of our elders across at Kintour, Charlie, Charlie does a bit of shepherding. And I'm told that the Carnicans know all their sheep by name. But I think they've only got like, I don't know, 10 or 20 at the most sheep. Um, But imagine a shepherd knowing every sheep by name. And when you think of the sheep being the people, you think of 8 billion sheep on this world. 
and the other billion across various millennia, you think, my word, this is incredible, isn't it? Because surely I would want to say, aren't sheep kind of all the same? Aren't we all kind of similar? You know, you don't need to know the name of your sheep to enjoy that nice new woolen jumper that you got for Christmas. You just need to know that any number of sheep provided for you to be nice and cozy and warm. Sheep are all kind of similar, and so are we, right? At the end of the day, I mean, we're all different, and I love, we talk about the diversity of our gathering here at Hillview regularly, and that's precious, but at the end of the day, there is a lot of similarities in our lives as well. We all have similar hopes, similar fears. We all have similar joys, similar sorrows, right? But I just want you to know, on the basis of this passage in God's Word, you are not just one in a crowd to God. You're not just a random, unique combination of DNA. You're known. He knows your name. He knows your story. He knows your needs. He knows your joys and your fears. He knows how you're feeling right now in this room. He knows how you're feeling about this coming year. He knows your name. And secondly, you know his voice. It's another picture of intimacy. Not only in verse 3 do do the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. I mean, that's amazing enough, right, that we're able to hear the voice of God. But look at the second part of verse 4. It says, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. They don't just hear randomly, but there's, there's knowledge there. And it's not just vague knowledge, it's knowledge of him. The sheep know his voice. This is relationship intimacy, togetherness. He knows your name, and you, if you're in Christ, you know His voice. And Jesus makes clear the incredible reality of this, the extent of it in verse 14. We just read it a moment ago, but it's incredible. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Wow. This deepest the most profound, intimate knowledge, the love between God the Father and God the Son, in that same way, we can know and be known by God. This is so crucial to knowing peace in life, to get to that point where we can understand and accept. Okay, I maybe can't figure out every question, but I know that I am known. We're not just random fellow churchgoers, but we understand each other. We understand and care for each other and family together, sharing in each other's lives. You see, all of this reality of what church is meant to be flows from the reality of how God looks upon us, that He he knows our name and and we hear His voice, and, and that then is to be mirrored in how we love and care for one another, how God has loved us and called us to love one another, that you are known, that God knows your name, and that you can hear his voice, will, please believe me, on the basis of God's word, will carry you through anything that this world could throw at you. No matter how blessed or lucky you feel this morning, or how beaten down and desperate you feel, there are times in life when even the best things around about us crumble. And even if we were to I'm sure none of us here would claim to be on this trajectory, but even if we were to live the quote-unquote perfect life as the world would look on and, and acknowledge that, we would still face sickness. We would still face death. We'd still face the loss of loved ones. 
And in that moment, what are we going to hope in? We need to know this fundamental reality that we're known and loved, that we can hear the voice of God and hear him call us by name, come to him day by day. As we close, I want to show a video clip of someone sharing a story that illustrates this. I thought rather than me retell the story, I'd, I'd let him share it himself. So just to set this clip up, it's by a gentleman by the name of Charlie Maxey. Some of you will know his book, and it was uh, animated over Christmas, I think, as well. He tells the story of a friend of his who was a hospital chaplain who every day he was there, this chaplain would walk past one of the patients in the hospital. And, and let's say this patient wasn't very impressed with this hospital chaplain. Every time he saw him in his dog collar, all he did was scoff and make rude hand signals towards him every time he walked past the bed, day after day. And uh, I'll let Charlie Maxey tell the story from here. And then one particular day, he walked past, and there was no that, he was just lying there. And as he was walking past, he said, oi. And my friend looked at him and said, yes. And he said, can I have a word? He said, sure. He said, all right, I know I've been rude and everything, but, you know, um, I would just love to chat to you about what, you know, why you wear that white thing, what you believe. He said, sure, you know, what, what, what would you like to know? He said, well, come on then, tell me. So he told him, he told him about Jesus, he told him about grace, about forgiveness, about the love of God, about the relationship you can have with him, all the basic things, and that you can pray to him. And he said, well, how do you pray then? He said, well, it's pretty simple, actually. He said, well, how do you pray then? And he said, well, and he got off his chair and said, okay, that's your bed, there you are, there's a chair. Now you just imagine that Jesus is sitting in this chair and he's, he's just loving you permanently. He knows you. And you can talk to him, so you can just say what you like. He said, so what would you say? And he said, I'd probably say that I'm pretty scared. Well, you can tell him that. Very fragile man. And he said, well, what else would you say? that I've effed up my life and I'm sorry. Great, that's honest. What else would you say to know? Well, you can be in silence, but just remember he's there. Just keep talking, keep talking. You can listen if you like, but just keep talking. Remember that you're loved. Remember that he died for you. Remember that you're free. Basic stuff. So he said, thanks. I can see why you're a vicar, sounds good. And then he, my friend got up and left. He was there a few days later, walked past the bed, empty. Spoke to the nurses, where is he? have you moved him to another ward? No, I'm afraid. The nurse, staff nurse said, no, I'm afraid he died actually two days after you were last here. And he went, oh, okay. And um, he said, that's a shame. And she said, yeah, but you know, when you left the last time, he was all really, <laughs> he was kind of bouncy in bed and kept telling us what you told him about the chair and this Jesus thing. And uh, he said, oh, that's good. And she said, he said, yeah, he was like really overwhelmingly pleased about it all. Um, and he said, good. And, and then he got a bit sort of, you know, so he started walking off. And the, the staff nurse said, oh, by the way, one other thing before um, you go, you, you should probably know, and it's a bit strange to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, that when we found him in the morning after he died, he was found leaning out of his bed, his hips were on the bed, and his chest was on the, you'd pull the chair, to, his chest was on the chair and his arms were wrapped around the back of the chair. And he died like that. And of course my friend just started weeping. Because um, he, he'd realized that this guy, he, he'd understood the whole thing. He got it completely in a nutshell. The thing we struggle with all our lives, he'd understood that he was loved. 
the reason why he exists is because it was to love and be loved and that he could rest his whole weight and his fragility on this Jesus because you can put your burden on him and he will sustain you because he loves you. That is abundant life, is it not? Even in someone's last moments on this earth, this is life in all its fullness. Knowing Jesus, the creator of this world, knowing that he's the good shepherd, knowing that he calls us by name and we can know his voice, that we are loved, as he puts it. This is even how Jesus describes eternal life. He was praying to God, his father, in John 17, and he said, this is eternal life, that all people may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Whether it's in our dying moments or at the relative start of 2023, we all need life in all its fullness. And it is not found in the things that so many uh, would chase after in this world, that this world holds up as being worth chasing after of ultimate value. Those are often fine and good things, but the enemy, the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy, he would have us believe that they are ultimate things, riches, reputation, comfort, relationships, self-determination, and so on. These things will come and go. Abundant life is found in Jesus. Don't settle in this life for anything less than Jesus and the amazing abundant life we can find and have in him for now and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you know our name and we can hear your voice. And I just pray that in the presence of your spirit now, you would minister to us so intimately, lovingly. Help us find abundant life in you, I pray. Amen.